everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Untie podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And just like we did either a week, two weeks, or several weeks ago, we have another Where Are They Now? Just like we did at some point in the past. <laughs> that definitely wasn't about an hour ago. <laughs> but yeah, in case this is your first episode that you've listened to one of these, a Where Are They Now? is when we take a look at a former tech player or sometimes in special cases, a non-player, someone who went to tech at least, and see how they did while they were at tech, and then especially once they left. And so to start off, I believe, again, we're going to start with Matt. Matt, who do you have this week for us to talk about? I have, by the admission, or by the mention of Louisiana Tech Athletics itself, arguably the most decorated athlete. I'm going to say that again for emphasis. The most decorated athlete in the history of Louisiana Tech University. Ah, so Terry Bradshaw? No. Um, (laughs) Also, I found out Terry Bradshaw had a brother that played quarterback at Tech. No, he played quarterback at Utah State. What the fuck? Anyway, (laughs) uh, the most decorated athlete by mention of Louisiana Tech sports and the university itself, Chelsea Hayes of track and field at Louisiana Tech. Oh, I follow her on Twitter. Chelsea Hayes. Fun fact. Argu- yeah. Arguably, fuck you. Arguably <laughs> the most decorated athlete in the history of the university and participant in the 2012 Summer Olympics in London. Yep. Wow. Um, Chelsea, also verified on Twitter. Shouts out to your verification, bro. And a former employee at UTA in Arlington. Interesting. Yes. Is that why you follow her? No, I follow her because she went to the Olympics while I was a student. And she yes. was also a student. <laughs> yes. So, and yeah. inducted into the Louisiana Tech Sports Hall of Fame at, if I'm doing the math correctly here, at not at barely 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She had barely, she was 32 or 33 when she got inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame. I mean, an incredibly young woman when she got in, I mean, 30 years old, you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, pretty incredible. Uh, but also just a really, really crazy story. Uh, I'd like to kind of cover where she is now, though, before I, I go into that. Uh, as Evan mentioned, he follows her on Twitter. She uh, is verified on there, which I was humored by. I guess it's because she was an Olympic, an Olympic athlete. She also has the honor OLY next to her name on LinkedIn to uh, confirm she's a member of the Olympic organization. Um, currently right now, Chelsea is part of the net charter school in her, uh, hometown of new Orleans. Uh, she is the culture team receptionist student support coordinator and has been in that role for almost two years now in, in new Orleans. Uh, before that, uh, she did work at UTA, uh, as a registered nurse. <laughs> um, wow. yeah, she worked at the St. Thomas community health center as well. Uh, I believe in, a new orleans but yeah it's got on here that she uh or she was studying to be an rn rather at a uta and got her degree in sociology after transferring from butler community college uh, in 2009 to tech and graduated in 2012 when i was going out the door she got a ba in sociology uh she also has an mba from devry university uh she's pretty multifarious uh had her toes dipped in a lot of different disciplines uh, but is now working at a charter school down in her hometown of New Orleans. She grew up in the east end of New Orleans, I believe. Uh, I don't think that's a very pleasant area of New Orleans. 
New Orleans East. Yeah, I've yeah, I've heard no, some not really. <laughs> I've heard some rough stuff about that area. Yeah, she was indeed just 31 years old whenever she got into uh, the Hall of Fame. So it seems. Um, Evan, I think, and Nathan, I'm not sure if you can. I don't really know your story about the hurricane in 2005, but I know Evans very well. Um, she went through the exact same thing, um, but her displacement was a lot worse, unfortunately. Um, she was displaced by Hurricane Katrina, had to attend high school in multiple states during her senior year after having such a stellar track career. All of her accomplishments and records were not recognized by the school she moved to in Georgia. Mm. Uh, so her recruiting suffered mightily because of that. Um, she ended up getting MVP honors in high school, which was just enough for her to get a scholarship and recognition and a recognition for a scholarship to Butler Community College uh, in Kansas, which isn't too terribly from where I live now in Kansas City, uh, before ultimately getting catching some eyeballs and moving back home to Louisiana to attend Louisiana Tech. Um, she set eight school records at Butler Community College. At Louisiana Tech, she was a, this is ridiculous, she was a 14-time WAC champion in track and field. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so wait a she, second. <laughs> was she a speed, like a like a speed runner? Or, I know. I'm getting into that, you son of a bitch. Okay, I'll let you get there then. Okay. <laughs> she was a 15-time first-team all-WAC member. Uh, she was only at the school for three years, guys. Uh, <laughs> Uh, she was named WAC Female Track Athlete of the Year four times and set nine, which doesn't make any sense. How are you the athlete of the year four times? Uh, maybe, maybe there could be a, there could be a mistake on this stuff, but yeah, it's got a it's got a citation here saying two citations. She was WAC Female Track Athlete of the Year four times and set nine conference records. She wow. was the only athlete in history to win both the WAC Track Athlete of the Week and Field Athlete athlete of the week in the same week <laughs> wow and she did it wow. yeah. and she and she did that twice so what, what does that mean uh there's field events and then there's running events so like she's super fast but she can also throw a she's an athlete really far or like, something i don't i think she did the long jump but if oh I'm not yeah mis- okay uh so but i'm getting so that's that, a field asshole. event i've got more to say <laughs> uh i'm not really upsetting uh, if you do it again i will be um <laughs> <laughs> So, only athlete in history to win WAC Track Athlete of the Week and Field Athlete Athlete of the Week in the same week. She did it twice. Uh, by graduation, she owned this. This was the one that really blew my mind. By the time of graduation, she owned all ten of Louisiana Tech's ten longest long jumps in history, <laughs> and nine of the ten fastest one hundred meter runs. Wow. Uh, in 2011 and 2012, she was named a first-team All-American in the indoor long jump. First team. Wow. She was a second-team All-American in the 60-meter and outdoor long jump. In 2012, she was runner-up to the National Indoor Championship in long jump with a mark of 6.61 meters. That's 21.7 feet. I don't even understand that event. Like, some of the Olympic events make sense to me where I'm like, well, okay, this, this person an, can this, run really fast. This is an but, indoor championship, though. Yeah, yeah well, I'm just saying, like, like, like track and field events, I guess, in general. But, like, like, okay, that person runs fast. That makes sense to me. But how could you jump 6.5 meters or whatever? I, try, I don't... Yeah, try 6.61 meters, bud. Oh, I, well, even more impressive. Yes. So How dare you round at down? The, at the end of the season, she was named All-Louisiana in five events. The 100 meter, the 200 meter, 
the four by 100 meter relay, the four by 400 meter relay and the long jump. Additionally, she won the 2011-12 Joe Kearney Award, the Wax Top Award, given yearly to the top student athlete. She was the first Louisiana Tech student to ever win this award. And I guess again, the last, if it was 2011-12. Yeah, again, the first Louisiana Tech student ever to win this award. Uh, all this came right before the 2012 Olympics. She qualified for the 2012 Olympic trials, but was not expected to advance very far. A commentator for NBC called her unheralded and unknown, uh, which after everything I've told you guys, you would think that those guys would have done their homework. Um, well, NBC always has great coverage of the Olympics and knows exactly uh, what they're talking yes, about. Yes, of course so. they do. She advanced to the finals of the long jump and was in fifth place when the field was cut to eight with three jumps to go. She remained in fifth until her final attempt when she recorded, and this is absolutely insane that this was not good enough to cut it. Spoiler alert. She scored 7.1 meters, 23.3 feet on her long jump. Uh, The distance exceeded her personal best by nearly one and a half feet, half a meter. (laughs) Wow. And and won her second place. Uh, The jump was the fourth longest in the world for the year up until that point. Wow. Uh, Hayes qualified for the Olympic team becoming the first ever track and field athlete from Louisiana tech to represent the United States at the Olympics. Hell yeah. I, again, I keep having to repeat this because these, these accomplishments, people are unbelievable. They're unbelievable. Uh, The stuff that Chelsea, that Chelsea accomplished, we're not talking about, it's ridiculous. We're talking numerous records set, dozens of records set, uh, making the Olympic team, uh, student athlete of the year, simultaneous awards won twice, which has never been done. I'd argue that Chelsea Hayes is the greatest athlete in Louisiana tech history. I would absolutely die on that Hill. She w- is absolutely incredible. And it just, and there's more, uh, previously, uh, former LaTeX, uh, fellow LaTeX alumnus, Olivia McKay represented Jamaica during the 2000, 2008 games. Uh, however, the, uh, Chelsea was the first to go for the USA. Uh, Two days later, after making the team, she remarked, I'm still in shock about it. Words can't explain it. I'm so excited. It's crazy. Hayes also competed in the 100-meter dash at the trials but failed to make the finals. Her trip to London for the 2012 Olympics was her first ever trip outside the United States. Uh, She competed in the qualifying round of the long jump on August 7th but did not progress to the final. Mm. Um, In 2012, Hayes was named the Field Athlete of the Year by the Louisiana Sports Writers Association while being coached by Sean Jackson. So that was her time at La Tech. Again, we're not talking about someone who was at La Tech for four years. I mean, it's a little murky here. It says she won WAC Player of the Year, I think, four years in a row. So perhaps she was there for four years. It's a little uncertain on that. Uh, But with all that in mind, I mean, I can kind of just gloss over this again. Uh, Like 15 records set or 15-time all-WAC in several events. Uh, the only player to accomplish a feat w- not once but twice in the history of the school, uh, student athlete of the year, and uh, which had never been accomplished uh, in the conference, uh, making the Olympics. The records broken alone is enough for me to say that she's the greatest athlete in tech history. But just the overall picture of what she accomplished at the Olympics and what she's done off the field, uh, I-, I would love to do write up a whole piece about her because she really is truly incredible. Um, and I, I love that 
I love that she was able to overcome so much adversity because Evan, I mean, I don't think you, you weren't displaced nearly as long as she was. I don't know the whole story. There's a really, really well-written article I didn't get all the way through uh, about her Hall of Fame induction in October of 2019. Uh, but she basically had no senior year. She was living at, she was living at a relatives and family friends homes. Yeah. I know that you were in Texas for a little while. Um, she, yeah, I, I mean, if she's from new Orleans, she was undoubtedly yeah. hit worse than, than my sure. family was specifically in our area of Slidell, but, um, the worst place to be. Yeah. was new Orleans East. Yeah. She had evacuated initial, her family evacuated initially trying to go to Houston, but ended up in East Tennessee due to the sheer volume of traffic flooding every hotel around the state of Louisiana. Uh, after the storm, Chelsea lost contact with her mother for nearly a month. She had no way to know whether or not her mother had survived. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty rough. Uh, but eventually, they were able to make contact and uh, found out that her mother was indeed well. Uh, the family relocated to Georgia uh, by October of her senior year, and that's when they told her that none of her accomplishments or school records from Louisiana would count, and basically had to start all the way over. Uh, she ultimately did not stay there very long and went back to Georgia, uh, Louisiana rather, and uh, went to Neville high school and uh, graduated from there. Huh? So I thought she graduated in Georgia. She did not. She ended up graduating from Neville high school, but uh, not because of the frequent moving and the late start. She didn't really have a lot of competing to do her senior year and was only recruited to uh, Butler community college in El Dorado, Kansas. Uh, yeah, this, this area of New Orleans East she's from would have been would have been wrecked pretty bad. Um judging oh, by where she sure. went to high school. She went to Abramson. Um it's it's like right there by uh by Reed Boulevard. Um uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, so uh given everything that she's done, uh and her incredible story of overcoming adversity and I, what I'm guessing is lost everything she ever owned or her family's home in New Orleans East and Hurricane Katrina and overcoming that adversity, overcoming the adversity of having to make a name for herself at Butler Community College, going to Louisiana Tech. Uh, I mean, not to mention overcoming adversity in general. She's a female. She's a person of color. Uh, and in spite of the adversity she's faced, she was only 31, 32 years old when she went into Louisiana Tech Hall of Fame. And I would argue that's probably the youngest induction anyone's ever had. And I, yeah, so. I will always contend, unless someone else comes along and seemingly breaks more records than she did, that she is the greatest athlete. I'm not talking female athlete. She is the greatest athlete in Louisiana Tech history. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, hard to argue against. Yeah, it's it's hard to to pick one, but I, I at least I would put her on the Mount Rushmore of tech athletes. I yeah, uh, for me she's number one, and it's not even close. I don't even think that there's a, a close second. And she's to break all those records and to do it in both track and field to make all to all the accolades, the Olympic the Olympic appearance, just everything. It's it's ridiculous. It's really really special that she went to our school. Yeah. But there's got to be an award given to like the best track and field member uh, at Louisiana Tech for the year. Like the the play, I don't know. There should be something that honors the best track and field athlete at Louisiana Tech, men and women, and she should have her name on that trophy. Yeah, sounds good. Let's sponsor it. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Chelsea Hayes Award. Hey, just say, hey, remember me? I followed you on Twitter obscurely like 10 years ago. And then uh, <laughs> you went to UTA. I work at UTA. 
I'm from Slidell. You're from New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans East, too. The closest part of New Orleans is Slidell. Yeah. Her story is incredible. And I'm not talking about just the athletic part. She's just a really, really extraordinary person. Yeah. And we should all, all right. be proud. We are. We should. We yeah. should. And we are. So who's next? I'm next. And oh. I will follow Matt with a Matt. I'm scared. Oh. Is it Matt Broha? It is not Matt Broha. You want to make another guess? Is it uh, Matt Stover? Matt LeBlanc. It's Matt Stover. <laughs> Good old Matt Stover. It is not Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> That's a callback to whenever the previous episode was that you missed it. <laughs> Months ago. Yeah, Matt Stover, who was a kicker in the sport of football, uh, he played at Tech. And part of the, one of the reasons why I think if LSU gets to be DBU, Tech should be KU, if that wasn't already taken by Kansas. Because hey, we Tech lost to produced- Kansas on a kick. So maybe that's why we're not called KU. I think so. We have Matt Stover, a kicker who ended up with a long and prosperous NFL career. At Tech, he started all four years. He joined in 1986. I'm apparently picking 86 and 87 players for this. And he was a Southland Freshman Player of the Year that year. He played for three different coaches, though, in his four years at Tech. Do you all remember who the coaches were in the late 80s for Tech? Uh, no, <laughs> not really. Um, I'm sure some names are going to sound familiar when you say them. Yeah, I think one will, the last one. But he started and was recruited by A.L. Williams. Okay. Nope. Then he started playing for Kyle Torbush. Nope. Okay. <laughs> and then finally, Joe Raymond Peace. Okay. okay. Now, yeah. I am familiar with Joe Raymond Peace. Yes. Matt Stover ranks second in the most field goals made and attempted in a career, or at least he used to rank second before Jonathan Barnes came in and bumped over down a slot in both categories. Shouts out to Jay Barnes. Probably should have picked him for this instead, I guess, is what I'm taking away. <laughs> but in 1987, Matt Stover against Texas A&M, he sets the record, or at least the tech record, for the longest field goal in school history at 57 yards. The final score of that game wow. was Texas A&M 32 Tech three. <laughs> the only points of the game came on a 57 yard field goal. Wow. So I want to start the petition to make 57 yard field goals worth 33 points. <laughs> I would really could have used that against AM in 2012. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, now that you bring it up, just a real quick uh, offside thing here. Um, Nathan, are you going to bring up his final game as a professional athlete? Yes. Okay, go uh, on. 100% yes. Go on. <laughs> uh, so Matt Stover was also part of that transition to FBS or one single A football. So his name is engraved on the Spirit of 88 statue. Hell yeah, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Cool. I've touched that thing. Touched it multiple times. Yes, lots of times. Too many times. Not enough times. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> Matt Stover was drafted by the New York Giants in 1990. And Wait, he was drafted? If you know an he was drafted. You want to guess what round he was drafted? Uh, sixth. Pretty sure. Matt, was, you want to take a guess? It was higher than that, wasn't it? Wasn't it third or fourth? Matt Stover was drafted First? in the tenth round oh, by oh. the New York Giants. Oh God! Okay. Well, that makes more sense. <laughs> Matt Stover, I had your back. I thought you were good enough to go in the third round, bro. He wasn't drafted by the Saints in the nineties. Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, but okay. So the Giants won the Super Bowl in nineteen ninety after they drafted Matt Stover. I, they did so by handing the Bills what would be their first of three straight Super Bowl losses. Four. 
four straight Super Bowl losses. You're right. Uh, but Matt Stover didn't play in any of them, especially the one that the Giants did. Uh, Stover was on the injured reserve all year during his freshman or rookie year because this is the go. NFL, not college now. Correct. But the New York Giants was were coached by, I believe at the time, Bill Parcells, but Bill Belichick Correct. was Defensive also player. on the coaching staff. Yes. And so when Bill Belichick left for the Cleveland Browns in 1991, Matt Stover followed. Even though Matt Stover's a kicker, apparently Belichick has that kind of sway over special teams. I'm sure he could use a kicker right about now, too. <laughs> and although Belichick wouldn't stay on the Browns for forever, as we now know, Stover pretty much did. He became the starter in Cleveland and never looked back. But maybe he kind of started to, because in 1995, it was announced that the Cleveland Browns were moving to Baltimore to become the Ravens. And here's what Matt Stover said about it. He said, quote, that was horrible. The Cleveland Browns moving? You got to be kidding me. I had a very good year in 1995. I think I was the alternate to the Pro Bowl, so I didn't let, me, I didn't let it affect me professionally. Personally, it affected me because I had a brand new baby, and we had just gotten pregnant again in the middle of that season, and now we had to go to Baltimore. I had just signed a new contract in August. They signed all the players, all those players, so that when they did move, they would have to go with them. Yeah, in October, was... I went, oh my gosh, it's a four-year deal. When we were negotiating in August, my wife did say, you should have a no-move clause in there. My I... wife has the, these intuitions. Me and my agent laughed. Well, to be fair, he couldn't. if he wouldn't have moved, he would have had no job. Yeah, I mean, fair. But I, as a starting I... kicker, it's possible he could have gotten a job somewhere else if he really hated Baltimore. Sure, but he but... at least wasn't exactly jazzed about the move to the sure. Maryland city. But as you're about to touch on, it kind of worked out pretty well. Yeah, because although Matt Stover wasn't the only Brown to become a Raven, he was the last to leave the Baltimore team. From 1996 to 2008, Matt Stover made 354 of 418 field goals and only missed one of his 403 extra point attempts. Wow. His kicking helped the Ravens make the playoffs in 2000, 01, 03, 06, and 08, and included the Super Bowl victory in 2000. Over his old team. Yeah. Also in that 2000 season, Silver made the Pro Bowl and was an all-pro kicker. About not as high of accolades as he could get. Not to steal your thunder here, but he also won that first Super Bowl. Well, it was the second Super Bowl he won, but the only one he played in. Uh, he won that Super Bowl the day after his birthday. Oh, that I did not know. So it was a kind of a happy weekend for him. <laughs> yeah. And I'll thank you for that trivia with some trivia of my own. His final kick for the Ravens came on January 10th, 2009, a date that might sound familiar to Matt. Oh, I know, 50... what, I know what it was. I can take it from here. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to. It's your bit. But I know this is a really, really painful and very frustrating memory for me. With 53 seconds to go in a tied AFC divisional round playoff game, Matt Stover hits a 43-yard field goal to eliminate Matt's favorite Tennessee Titans. I remember it well. Tennessee went 13-3 and that year, including a record of 10-0 and at one point, uh, dropped three of their last uh, six, and then laid an egg in the AFC division game because Algie Crumpler fumbled the ball. Thanks, Algie Crumpler. And thanks, Matt Stover. That Ravens game was a really sore point because uh, in class the next day, my first hour class was geometry uh, or algebra one. I don't remember. And probably why I didn't do so on math. Uh, (laughs) And I had a friend in that class, Eddie Peters, 
who was born and raised in Baltimore and moved to Bossier because his dad took a job at the GM plant. And we were talking shit to each other constantly the week before. And I was so sure that Tennessee was going to win because they had Chris Johnson, uh, who in his rookie year rushed for 1,300 yards. Their defense was fucking incredible. Uh, and they lost. That was a very tough day the next day. <laughs> yeah, but you're not salty, right? Uh, no. Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> because Tennessee to this day, 12 years later, has still not won a Super Bowl, nor have they appeared in the Super Bowl since their inaugural year in Nashville. Uh, so it's still a pretty sore point. But you're about to get to another sore point, but this time for Matt Stover. So I'll let you take it over. Yeah, it's not a sore point for me. Because this wasn't the end of Matt Stover's NFL career. For the 2009 season, the Indianapolis Colts had to replace Adam Vinatieri, so they brought on Matt Stover. And if you're a Saints fan like Evan or me, you might remember the 2009 Colts pretty well. Yeah, and that was and that was an incredible football team. The Colts that year, I think they started off 14 and 0 and lost their last two games because they rested their starters. I mean, you made the Super Bowl. You have to be a pretty good team to make the Super Bowl, whether or not you win it or not. Maybe so, but it was like all season long, they were like, holy crap, this Colts team is amazing. I remember remember being annoyed because it was the Saints' best season of all time, right? We started 13-0. Yeah, 13-0. We were always number two in the power rankings to the Because of the Colts. (laughs) Because they went 14-0. And then you guys lost your last three, and the Colts lost their last two. Yeah, we we lost our 14th game to the Cowboys when we were still playing all of our starters. And then at that point, we had already wrapped up the – the number one seed and you know, right. we're not going for the undefeated season anymore. So you rest your starters the last two games. So anyway, uh, it, it was also a weird season because it's not very often that both number one seeds actually make it to the super bowl. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like the two clear best teams all season are actually facing off for the super bowl. So um, anyway, Nathan, uh, I, I don't even remember Matt Stover being on that team. I do. Yeah. It's actually kind of interesting because Matt Stover had the first points of that super bowl. He kicks a 38-yard field goal to put the Colts up 3-0 in the first quarter. And by doing so and by coming out onto the field, really, he enters the record books as the oldest player ever to play in a Super Bowl before Tom Brady broke that record this year. Wow. And so, yeah, the Saints, of course, I have to say this because it brings me great joy to say this. The Saints would go on to win that game. Not because of Matt Stover blowing anything, but just because of Tracy Porter doing Tracy Porter things. Stover did miss a field goal in that game. Yeah, but that wasn't the deciding. It was not. But the Saints Super Bowl victory happened to be the last game that Matt Stover ever played in. And he officially retired as a Raven in May 2011 after taking a season off and seeing if he could get a job somewhere else. But now to talk about things other than football with Matt Stover, because unlike a lot of NFL players, Matt Stover tried to be as smart as possible with the money that he was making from the NFL. Early in his career, before it really seemed like if he would even have a permanent job on any roster, especially when he started out on the Giants and sat the entire year on the injured reserve, he interned with the International Management Group, or IMG, the company that now owns things like Learfield and play... uh, Dave Nitz's salary. He was thinking he could be a sports agent or maybe a marketer because he was a marketing agent from who was a marketing major at Louisiana tech. Uh, And he was a 10th round pick and there's a pretty good reason why the 10th round isn't around anymore. (laughs) I was listening to a, a podcast interview with him earlier where he was kind of talking about everything going on during and after his NFL career. 
And he mentioned the fact that the NFL matches 401k contributions two to one. Oh, wow. Which is insane. Uh, and it's a way to try to force players to say, hey, look, we're giving you this awesome perk. Please don't spend all your money right now. And so he was trying to convince all his teammates to to <laughs> basically max that out because I think there's a U.S. government cap on how much you can contribute in a year. Uh, and a lot of times players didn't listen, but eventually he got to be known as like the money guy in the locker room who if people need money advice, he's the one that could help them out with it. And he also started making some investments. His big investment and his biggest one that he'd ever made was into a website called what eventually became called creditcards.com. At the time, it was called like creditcardapplicationservice.com or something like that. He invested and pushed them to buy the domain name of creditcards.com, which at the time in the early 2000s was worth over $2 million. They did, and not too long after, he sold his shares in the company, <laughs> but he donated a decent portion of the sale to Louisiana Tech. Oh, cool. Thank you, Matt Stewart. Yeah, and during that sale and donation, he became insanely curious about how to donate money and maximize tax breaks and and try to be as charitable with his money as he can without Uncle Sam taking a cut. So he... He did a bunch of research. He partnered with someone. And eventually, after going through that whole process, he created the Players Philanthropy Fund to help other football players or just other large-scale money donors make the most of their donation wherever they happen to be donating it. Um, and then beyond that, he's also still active in the Baltimore area, which so maybe this could have fit late with the last time we did one of these Where Are They Nows, where both of y'all had people who had Maryland connections. And he invests in local companies through his foundation, the Matt Stover Foundation. So that is Matt Stover. He just sounds like an all-around good guy. Oh, yeah. Where's he from yeah. originally? That is a great question. He's probably Stover from Texas. Is originally from Lake Highlands of Dallas. So he's a fucking rich little spoiled asshole. Got it. <laughs> probably grew up in a very wow. Fr- probably just grew finished, up in a, <laughs> just yeah, finished just talking about how good of a dude he is, and then he <laughs> he just he probably grew up. If he grew up in Lake Highlands, he's a he grew up a spoiled, entitled piece of shit brat. That's like without without a doubt the richest part of Dallas, and by default one of the richest places in the United States. So So that's where you bought your house at, right, Evan? Yeah, Evan. If you lived in Lake Highlands, (laughs) yeah, me, me and my me and my university employee, library employee wife live in the richest area in the United States, according (laughs) to yes, one Um, of the richest areas, one of. Uh, no, <laughs> our house. <isn't> <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's cool. Um, Matt Stover, you know, every I think most people who listen to this should probably be familiar with him, but that's cool to get his like overview and everything. Seems like a cool dude, even if he grew up a rich, what you call him, a, a spoiled asshole, is spoiled that... entitled <laughs> asshole. Okay, yeah, well, there there goes our sponsorship from the Matt Stover Foundation. God well, damn don't, it! Don't, well, we're obviously not going to keep that in. I'm pretty sure Nathan's <laughs> keeping all of this in. <laughs> we'll see what I cut. We'll see. We'll see. He all does right. invest in the local companies. We'll see if I end up registering GTPDD in Maryland. <laughs> Could be an idea. Yeah. All right. So that leaves my my guy. Um, my second guy is Dr. Billy Jack Talton. I really um, thought you were going for a Dr. Billy Bundrick. No. I, oh, I should have. I just love Holy to shit. see that so much. Oh, man. I should have done that. Oh, damn. We've got to do another one now. <laughs> Um, oh no! All right, so uh, Billy Talton was born in Minden, Louisiana, 
Um, didn't find much about his early life, but he played his high school football for Minden High, winning two state Boo. AAA championships in 1954 and 1956. He was recruited to play ball at Tech by Joe I.A. Um, and arrived Who? on campus in 1958. Um, while he was playing at Tech, he realized that he was getting, quote, knocked around by Bulldog lineman Pat Collins and Richard Ennis. He said, both of those guys were younger and smaller than me, but when we ran drills, they were just handling me. The only difference between us was that they pumped iron. That wasn't very popular with coaches at the time because they believed it would just make you muscle-bound. Um, so I guess back then, there weren't these big strength and conditioning programs. Um, really, you were, you were more into calisthenics like running and jumping jacks and things like that to be fit and in shape not big and, you know, muscular. At the time, the workouts players, players did were called isometrics, um, which is, I mean, I'm sure I'm oversimplifying here for people who work out, but um, it's basically trying to push on things that don't move. <laughs> um, Talton said, quote, you had to have an IQ of zero to enjoy that. <laughs> um, so he was unsatisfied by these basic workouts he was doing. Um, so he began to lift weights and then he, kept on lifting. He, he graduated from tech with a bachelor's in health and physical education in 1962, um, ultimately stayed on to get his master's um, in education. Then he went out into the high school teaching ranks, first at Bastrop High and then at Captain Shreve. Boo! It, <laughs> we, got a, we got a Parkway guy here, so um, Shreveport Asper people. About to eliminate all the other high schools in North <laughs> Louisiana. Northwest Louisiana. So at every step of the way, Talton pushed his ideas about weightlifting and what it could do for other sports. So he's kind of like the assistant football coach at these at Captain Shreve and Bastrop and um, really just trying to get established as a teacher and uh, coach at that time. He said that he got interested in strength training to increase athletic performance, which was a pretty new concept in the 1960s. And of course, that's I mean we're all familiar with that today, right? Like every, yeah, you know, you, you got some programs paying millions of dollars a year to their strength and conditioning coach, um, in football. Um, in 1972, Talton went to Northwestern state and got his doctorate in education while also serving as a graduate assistant for their football team. Um, this is just a side note, but, uh, Northwestern went one and one against tech while he was a graduate assistant, um, in 70 and 71. Um, then he ended up coming back to Ruston as Cedar Creek High School's head coach in football. But that gig only lasted about a year before he returned to Louisiana Tech in 1974 to his alma mater um, to both teach and also establish the Louisiana Tech powerlifting team. I don't know if either of you are familiar with the powerlifting team. I am. They're about to be. I am. I remember um, seeing their logo and accolades up. Yeah, Lambright. In the Lambright, yeah. My uh, bowling teacher at La Tech uh, was from West Virginia, and he came solely to Louisiana yeah. because apparently they have one of, if not the best, powerlifting programs in the United States. Yeah, so just real quick overview of uh, Coach Talton's um, accolades at Louisiana Tech. He was the coach for 27 years. His teams won 22 national championships. Um, that is 11 men's and 11 women's national championships. Um, the first one coming in 1978, so just four years after he established the program. 
Um, but really in the 1990s was when Talton's success came to full fruition. Um, the team, which is known as the Iron Dogs, won the national championship every single year from <laughs> 1994 until 2001 when he retired. That's eight championships uh, for the men's team, the Iron Dogs. And then the women's team also won every single championship from 1994 <laughs> to 2001. <laughs> so uh, for those efforts, Talton was named the Collegiate Powerlifting Coach of the Year um, for each of those eight seasons. Jeez, um, what a he legacy. Also, yeah, he also won the honor in 1985 and 1986. Uh, oh, by the way, both the women's and men's teams won the national championship in those years as well. So, so wait, wait, um, how many? So he retired with 22 national title rings. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they do rings, but yes. So 11 men's championships. It's hard, to, it's hard to do a bench press with a ring on your finger. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't the one lifting. Well, he but, actually uh, did lift. He actually wow. did lift until like 1979. What do you think Ooh. he did as a coach? Just, hey, you, pick up that heavy thing? <laughs> well, well, obviously, the, I'm sure he did. You can't be that old <laughs> and just be like, all right, kids, here we go. And like, go so bench for That may be out. why he retired. I, I'm not sure. But um, uh, so man. I dug a little deeper to figure out how they determine the coach of the year in powerlifting. And it turns out that it automatically goes to the coach whose teams score the highest combined at the national meet. So. Uh, the men's and women's team score combined, whichever coach is the highest score wins. So our teams won the championship, uh, both championships in 85, 86, and then 94 through 2001. So he won all those coach of the year awards as well, obviously. I'm curious um, though. So the women's competition takes place at a different time than the men's because, you know, I don't think so. I think it's all at one combined national meet. That's why I was kind of thinking, wouldn't it only count as 11 championships then? Because he was coaching both. Like, would it count as, is, I mean, obviously the men and the women don't compete against each other or with each other. Uh, I would just think that since he was coaching both teams, he'd only get one national title recognition. But I guess, I guess, guess not. No, they are, they really are two no, separate competitions. I, I think they're completely separate competitions. So if you win, sure. yeah, but, but, um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, you said you wonder what a, a powerlifting coach does. Um, here's some quotes from former tech powerlifter Cody, Cody McElroy, who said, Every time Dr. Billy Jack speaks, you hold your breath in anticipation and point your ears forward because you know everything you're about to catch is going to be golden. Everything he says is a psalm, a masterpiece of experience, character, and just being human. Every My word, God. every word, I swear hold some secret or key and you just try to catch it before it fleets away from you. Who, okay. This guy, this guy better be a guy fucking is. poet. I'm just saying. Okay, yeah, he did. He, got <laughs> his, he should have gotten an English literature degree. Because <laughs> right. that, that was very well spoken and written. Yeah. Yeah. Cody McElroy. Shout out to him. Um, James Townsend, another former iron dog said as a coach, he was a great motivator. You just never wanted to let him down. He has influenced hundreds of young men and women to reach their full potential in all aspects of their lives. He always knew when to kick me in the butt and then how to bring me back up and get the best out of me. There will never be anyone else like him. And clearly, 22 national championships. I mean, <laughs> 22. <on>. Yeah. <laughs> my but Tolton God. wasn't just content to be Louisiana Tech's coach. He also uh, set a personal goal to improve powerlifting in the high school ranks in Louisiana. 
He started the Louisiana uh, Invitational High School meet in 1992, which is now the oldest continuing prep meet in the nation. And it's also named for him now. So it's the I think it's like the Billy Talton Invitational. Uh, He also served as the collegiate chairman of the sport and oversaw the addition of women's powerlifting to the national championship meet in 1981. Um, so that was under his watch that they added the women's powerlifting as an official, um, sport. And that's, I mean, 1981 is before the NCAA even added women's sports cause they didn't do that until 82. Um, so, you know, he's a little bit ahead of, of the curve there. Um, under his tutelage, several tech lifters went on to compete internationally, um, in meets in Australia, India, Hungary, and Chechia, which is now, I believe referred to as the Czech Republic. Yeah, there you go. Um, And finally, in 1994, he was named to the Louisiana High School Powerlifting Hall of Fame, um, which is fitting because he's known as the father of Louisiana powerlifting. In 2014, he was inducted into the Arklatex Sports Museum Hall of Fame. And in 2015, he was in the first class to be inducted into the USA Powerlifting Hall of Fame, um, at least in the Louisiana branch. I'm not really sure how that works, but um, I'm when did I sure actually he's in, didn't, I didn't look up if he's in the LaTeX Sports Hall of Fame, but I he better I, be. He, I, I mean, mean, for the love of God, let's see, he is not in the Louisiana Tech Sports Hall of Fame. Wow, well, well uh, at least not as of 2017 because this Wikipedia, but it should have been years before that. Nope, he's not. Wow, that I wonder because it sounds like the powerlifting wasn't under the athletics umbrella. Oh, it right. was under it's, the... it's a club sport, so uh, maybe that's why. Yeah, I mean, you could still do it because there are no real rules except the ones that you set for yourselves. Right. When it comes to stuff like that, there's got to um, be a damn exception. Yeah, I mean, they named the room with all the weights after him. Like, that's unbelievable. I, yeah. I mean, I would still hand him. An invitation I mean, he's probably club. really strong. I wouldn't want to like. Le- I wouldn't want to be on the this guy's bad side. So just put him in the Hall of Fame, you know, just to avoid getting beat up or something. At the tender age of like what eighty years old? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just shows up and just jacked as hell at eighty. Yeah, it's but interesting I, too because the, remember... the high school powerlifting association has a meet they held at uh, at least Alexandria high school called the Dr. Billy Jack uh, Talton hall of fame invitational because he's in their hall of fame. He's Oh man. He has a LinkedIn. You should ask him why he's not in the hall of fame. It doesn't have very much stuff on it. Seems like a really, seems like a really mean thing to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But in the hall of fame, I mean, throughout his career, he also like wrote articles. I mean, the guy's got, a doctorate in education and physical sure, education. So he's a, so, well, so he's, a, so he's scholarly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It just, I mean, he, he's writing papers called like relationship of resistance training experience to left ventricular dimensions and female. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so like, so. yeah, he's getting pretty technical with this stuff. There, there's a psychological type of university power lifters. Um, yeah, this is, that's yes, in the so journal of they left things with their mind. <laughs> that's yeah apparently that's in so the journal of psychology so there, right? no there was no telekinesis in that, uh, in that so he's a very well respected yeah uh scholar as well yeah. yeah so anyway that's dr billy jack talton um and uh, from my time at tech i do remember seeing you know like the powerlifting accolades and i think they still win national championships um their website hasn't been paid for lately so i couldn't like <laughs> check and see what the 
what their championships since 2001 are. They have a Facebook page they update all the time, but it, it wasn't readily apparent all the championships. So it sounds um, like they don't at least pay you for the championships. You don't get a cash prize or anything to help you pay your domain name fees. Pity. Yeah, sounds like sounds like they don't. But they are also, I mean, they actively recruit kids from all over the country who want to come lift at Louisiana Tech. So it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. And so there you go. Three more former Tech players. Yeah, technically he played football. I couldn't find anything about his playing career, but that wasn't the important part of this one. There's also Kelsey Hayes who competed for Tech. Chelsea, thank you. There was also Chelsea Hayes who competed for Tech, but I want to say a player. Is player the right word there? Uh, I don't know. know. (laughs) Yeah. Either way, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our blog where this episode's coming out at some point in the future, so maybe there's a post on there by now. Who knows? That's at G-T-P-D-D. Your guess is as good as ours on that one. Yeah, it's also dot D-O-G. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And go tech, please don't die. So that must be where the field comes in. But uh, yes, my wife just got home. She's entering the room looking at me. Yes. What? Oh, I thought your sister was here and I'm in my underpants. It's called common It's called this common courtesy. Excuse me? This is staying in. Huh? <laughs> That's a code of material. What, Julie? What? Not be reading in the dark. I have the glow of the television. I don't even have my glasses on, so it doesn't count. <laughs> Thank you. That's how it works. If you don't have your glasses on, it won't hurt.